Welcome to the ACFCS Financial Crime Cast, a briefing featuring the latest news, analysis, and guidance across the financial crime spectrum. I'm Brian Spoda Kendall, VP of Product Development with ACFCS, and appreciate you joining us. The COVID 19 pandemic has governments around the world scrambling for ways to support the private sector through low or no interest loans, payroll guarantees, and much more. In the US, initiatives like the Paycheck Protection Program, or PPP, have seen hundreds of billions of dollars loaned out through banks in a matter of weeks. That's been a lifeline for many businesses, but the staggering speed and volume of funds create opportunities for fraud, as well as headaches for financial institutions, from fin crime risks to reputational concerns. Here to explore the wide and wild world of pandemic emergency aid programs with me is Amanda DuPont, public records product expert with Thomson Reuters. Her role has given her a insider's view into how financial institutions are managing programs like the PPP, economic injury disaster loans, Main Street lending, and more. We'll get her insights on how to balance customer experience with fin crime compliance related to these programs. We'll also talk about how automation can help with customer due diligence, particularly at a time when face-to-face is probably not an option. Finally, look at how this crisis may actually present an opportunity for both the traditional banking sector as well as fintechs entering this space. Amanda, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for lending us your time and insight. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, if you don't mind just starting out by giving us a little bit of background on um, your experience, your role with Thomson Reuters, and uh, your your visibility into some of these issues that we're going to be getting into in the, the rest of the conversation. Sure. So my title here at Thomson Reuters is Public Records Product Specialist. What that really means is exclusively now for the last decade, I have worked in the public records realm here at Thomson Reuters. I have a very deep law background, so probably 30 years of industry background, but 10 years exclusively in public records at Thomson Reuters. And from that vantage point, I work on everything from automation solutions to consulting with partnership software to really helping any type of financial institution um, look at, you know, how they could use public records data or just business data through us today. Great. And there's clearly quite a bit of need for that right now. So uh, yep. I'm sure I'm sure it's keeping you busy. And, and obviously what's driving that is uh, the U.S. government, as well as governments around the world, but we're focused on uh, U.S. government efforts to rush funds to businesses um, in various forms in order to support them through the, the downturn caused by the, uh, the stay-at-home orders in response to the coronavirus pandemic. So there's a few different programs um, that the federal government has rolled out, many of them through the Small Business Administration. Um, we'll be t- talking about a few of them here today. Do you mind just uh, just kind of briefly giving us some, some guidance? I'm sure we could talk for a couple hours on, on just what these programs are and get into the weeds on it, but uh, briefly just talk about the various programs, including the, the Paycheck Protection Program, uh, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan uh, Program that financial institutions may be currently dealing with right now. Sure, sure. And definitely we'll probably have a back and forth, but there is quite a bit of money coming from the Fed uh, around keeping small businesses, frankly, all businesses with payroll employees getting paid. So everyone's heard of the Paycheck Protection Program. In fact, the $349 billion 
tied to it are probably the funds are probably gone as of today, just listening to the financial news today. Mm. Though we do know they're in front of the government, they are in front of Congress requesting an additional $250 billion. I certainly can share what we've been seeing around that. But that's really to keep a forgivable loan to small businesses to the extent they keep payroll going for up to eight weeks, essentially 75% of that. Uh, loan going towards that feature means it would be a forgivable loan. And there's size, you're going to have to have, you know, the maximum loan there is $10 million. You have to have 500 or fewer employees, et cetera. Um, there's also another program we're seeing a lot of, of our financial institutions um, involved in, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Programs. The typical SBA program you see after, say, a hurricane is also being applied here. That has different requirements. Um, there is a $10,000 advance component to that, but we saw guidance coming out of Treasury saying, or the Fed, I should say, saying it's essentially an advance for $1,000 per employee. So again, you see this overarching need to keep employees paid, right? Um, there is a pilot program, that Express Bridge Loans program you're talking about is a pilot. I haven't seen as much on that. I'll be curious what you're seeing. I'm definitely intrigued by the Main Street Lending Program. That's going to be open to small and medium-sized businesses. It's much different lending requirements there, much bigger for a whole bigger part of the business community. But truthfully, you know, Brian, from my vantage point, what I'm seeing is just a lot of due diligence happening, regardless of beneficial ownership and how people are interpreting what. Uh, we're seeing more due diligence happening from our financial institutions and from our fintech accounts as well. Yeah, well, I, and I mean, I think for, for good reason, right, that you're talking about very large numbers. I think you said $250 billion in the Paycheck Protection Program is already uh, gone or nearly gone, right? And that was, what, a month? Um, so we're, we're obviously seeing high volume here and and rapidity in the money moving and being loaned out, right, um, or, or provided through the financial institutions. Anytime you have you have speed and volume, there's at least the risk of a fraud and financial crime, right? So, uh, I mean, given the volume, especially, how are financial institutions approaching this this due diligence and this KYC? Because you know, there's both requirements from the government, if I'm not mistaken, as well as financial institutions own, you know, risk management, fraud risk management, and, and AML risk management uh, policies and procedures being being imposed here. So uh, how are lenders and institutions keeping up with this? You know, interestingly, we're seeing a lot of different reactions to it. And, you know, even as guidance come, comes out as far as what the duty is on behalf of the financial institution, or frankly, we now know three um, non-bank lenders. Uh, we have PayPal and Twitten Square who were approved to do PPP lending. Um, you know, the reality is they're all taking their own risk-based approach. It's not consistent how they're approaching it. And what we're seeing 100% is it's supporting existing customers. So I do think as the government refocuses how to give additional funding to, say, the PPP program, it's going to be what do we do with the unbanked or, you know, those with legitimate claims um, that do not have an existing bank relationship or even a fintech relationship. That's probably an open question. But as we look at our customers, so not only 
do we have everybody kind of looking a little differently around their KYC? Everybody went remote. Um, and so where it's really benefited, and I always think benefits happen when you're nimble, is where you could quickly flex to doing um, a more scalable KYC. So really automation, those who took the time to automate here are having the bandwidth to do a lot more processing. And we've seen, you know, as outsourcing happens, maybe a lot more of our passwords, right? If they're kind of coming in and using our password access, we've seen just a need for additional passwords to do, say, through a risk-based approach, you just decide there's something material different about the customer and you want to go just make sure you have current data on them. We are seeing our remote-based workers from our financial institutions just have to do more due diligence right now. So, you know, it's kind of been twofold, whether they've been traditional researchers or if they've taken the time to, if they had taken the time to kind of get in front and be an early automator, it has definitely benefited them. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. I think people are reaping the benefit of being forward-looking in, in a lot of different ways right now, whether it's tech platforms or automation or uh, beneficial ownership, you know, really being vigilant about collecting and verifying beneficial exactly. ownership. Yeah, yeah, and that's that. That is one of the sort of odd wrinkles in um, at least the Paycheck Protection Program. I know there's some uh, for new customers, at least. If you if you already have the the beneficial ownership information on a customer, you, there's no need to re-verify. I believe that's what Treasury Correct. said. But yep. yeah, yep. okay. But then if it's a new customer, you are supposed to verify verify down to the the 20 percent beneficial ownership level. So uh, a bit of a deeper dive potentially than some financial institutions had been doing or are used to doing, um, again, depending on the institution and the approach. But, uh, you know, have you seen institutions struggle with, you know, this need to identify beneficial owners and potentially not necessarily have it kind of get caught wrong-footed, so to speak, um, with their beneficial ownership data? Yes. In fact, just talking to, you know, it's interesting because I talk to financial institutions of all sizes, from the smallest to the biggest. And, you you know, right now there is not face-to-face -face banking happening, right? You're not just going in and filling out paperwork with a banker in front of you. It is happening remotely. And so whether they had, say, some type of CIP process to verify the beneficial owner and get beneficial ownership documentation, you know, they really are struggling to make sure they have processes in place. But so truthfully, we're just seeing a lot of Existing accounts, I'd say, expand what they can do, right? They already have mm -hmm. the solutions in place, so they're just expanding what they can process. But we're consulting with others that really are saying, now I have to. I used to just let someone come in with a picture and their driver's license. I'd photocopy it. I'd be there in front of them. We're doing none of that. We're not in our branch. We're doing this by email, et cetera, gathering documents this way. Right. So. It's time to, you know, you hate the phrase, never let a serious crisis go to waste. It's such an overused phrase. But if there was ever an opportunity to say, you know, we have to get into telebanking or digital KYC, this really reflects it to me that, you yeah. know, you can, it doesn't matter your size. You really do have to be able to support that today. Yeah. And I mean, the level of, you know, uncertainty about when face-to-face -face can resume you know, even even drives that point home. There's no guarantee that in a month, in two months, and whatever, you may be able to just kind of revert back to standard operating procedure. Um, and even if you do, there may be another you know situation where social distancing is required again. So, uh, you know, you're absolutely right that that now is the time to 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 try to 
build out some of these uh, policies, procedures, platforms that maybe you didn't have in the past. I just was going to say, we know fraud will, I mean, from all of our experience, we know fraud will take advantage. We've seen it in the scams of, you know, just how they're going after people's stimulus pay. There's certainly going to be businesses that are inflating and trying to get windfalls from this existing businesses and just frankly, businesses that don't exist. So we know that's going to happen too. Yeah. Yeah. And that was actually my next question. I mean, it seems like there's two, you know, flavors of fraud as you're kind of alluding to here. One is businesses that you that institutions have an existing relationship with, inflating payrolls, you know, creating fictitious employees, whatever the case may be, in an effort to take advantage. But then particularly as you're saying, as this potentially expands out to new uh, new populations that creates an opportunity for people to create, you know, false identities, shell companies, so on and so forth, and and uh, attempt to be onboarded for, by financial institutions. Have you seen any of that already occurring? And you know, or uh, and, and at the same time, have you seen strategies at financial institutions to to prepare and get ahead of that? So I generally feel like I've only seen everyone in these programs saying they're working with existing customers. Now, it's interesting, as I see fintech get involved, and we certainly have a deep variety of fintech customers, only a few are approved for that PPP program. But, you know, to be a customer there is a different scenario, and everything in those environments is fully automated, you know, to get onboarded is an automation process. Right. So I could see, you know, as everybody maybe expands the business to say, let's start looking at the new accounts, right? There's an opportunity to take share in a situation like this. If you really do know how to do your KYC and make sure you only onboard businesses that I use this phrase, pass a smell test. Uh, I always think, look at, think of the long-term loyalty you're going to have. You onboarded, you verified, you went fast but prevented fraud. That, to me, is your dream state for all the financial institutions, the non-tech, uh, I should say the non-bank fintech. If you can do that and do it well, you really would have some insurance here. To me, there's, it doesn't matter if you're talking to Thomson Reuters. Of course, there's other data providers out there, but there really are ways to make sure that company exists. Um, you know, to me, I don't know if you're coming across this, but how do sole proprietors, those kind of just, I've done a 1099, I'm a, a freelance contractor. I mean, these programs are allegedly set up for those users as well. It's just going to be a lot harder to get verification, right? Because yeah. that's a lot riskier from anybody's perspective, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. And anecdotally, you know, I have heard from from our members, from people at our financial institutions that they're not, you know, that they are exactly they're hitting roadblocks with with these types of uh, applicants. They're not really, you know, necessarily working with them or they're really on the back burner and and getting these people uh, reviewed because, you know, number one, the volume, but number two, there is the perception of risk. And uh, yeah, I know that's sort of an industry wide concern is, you know, is well-intentioned financial crime risk management holding up the distribution of these funds. It's, it's not an e- there's no, I don't think there's an easy solution at all. You know, one thought I had, I 100% agree that, you know, perhaps the individual stimulus bill is far more meant for like a 1099 or a freelance contractor than anything here in the business environment. But the business pool is a small pool of funds essentially for the fastest deliverers. And so to be too slow here, again, reputationally, I think uh, a bank, a financial institution really has a good social 
message. We're here to help do our part to help support small businesses. If you're overly cautious here, I think reputationally that will probably come about like they just were so slow we never got our loan in in time there's this you know a 10-day funding requirement around some of these so you know there again it's just kind of this thing if you have your ducks in the row to do good kyc um it, it could have really benefited you here and we have seen that you know i have definitely seen those who took the time to do it are probably getting a lot more through even at the small financial side you know our community-based banks Right. Um, those who took the time to have processes like, you know, I need to do automated KYC or at least be able to quickly generate a live update on that person or business. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great point. You know, customer customer experience mattered when the stakes weren't as high, right? So it, it doubly matters now uh, when the stakes are, you know, maybe the business surviving type of thing. So uh, exactly. I think that's a... You know, I think that's a fantastic point on the on the sources. You know, uh, on the side of the sources of data. You know, you mentioned there's there's lots of places to get data, which is true. Thomson Reuters is obviously one of them. But is there any indicator that you've seen um, that the things you know, something like a corporate registry, right, that might be uh, updated by a government agency that has people working from home, furloughed, potentially sick? Um, is there any indication that there's disruption within the sources of data too, right? Um, at this point, you know, there's not necessarily the same uh, reliability of information in there. Is that is that any concern? Well, as, as and I, I certainly have heard from big, uh, big users of our data asking specifically what's getting impacted where a lot of, say, Secretary of State filings is automation at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but things like court filings, right, a real rural community docket. We've, we've seen that there could be some disruptions and things like that. But where there was kind of already automation set up, bankruptcies, et cetera, um, those really we aren't seeing too much happen. But you have a point, you know, corporate registrations, to me, I always tell everyone who's doing due diligence, let's make sure if you're onboarding a 90-day or newer business, as I get feeds from the country every 30 days, typically is a Thomson Reuters feed schedule around the entire country, all 50 states corporate filings come through our system on probably a 30-day basis. Um, you know, you do have to have enhanced due diligence, a different look at a, a company that's brand new now. You probably right. would have a tough time getting funding as a brand new company right now. But truthfully, if you've been in business for over a year and you can't find records on someone like that, that's your biggest red flag right there. Because Absolutely. it's hard not to have some records by one year in business through all the ways we gather records, um, whether it's my company or others. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great point. Yeah. And I mean, you know, to your point about, about corporate registers being automated, it seems, you know, that's, if there's one kind of theme to draw out of this, it's that uh, uh, automating early pays dividends later, especially in response to a, a emergency or disaster type situation. So uh, that seems to be the takeaway on, on all sides of this pandemic response. Yep. That's my takeaway too. And it, it I think, you know, actually, what we've seen from our BSA AML department is an interest right now as perhaps there'll be opportunities to kind of explore where there's gaps to leverage that because I always 
think this could become as much a profit center as anything because you have really good customer data. Uh, your credit risk and business will be interested in that data just as much as BSA AML departments would be. Obviously fraud, right? You just have mm. a lot of good customer data. And I recently had a presentation where I reminded everybody, I mean, I just want people to know it came from me if it ever goes anywhere, but I thought process that uh you know, KYC data is like eggs, um, like eggs, like buying eggs. It has a freshness date. It has a use-by date. You really do want current data for KYC. It absolutely makes sense, especially when, uh, you know, now at a time now when when things have changed so rapidly and, and in such a dramatic way uh, is going to be really important. So, uh, well, Amanda, I, I know we could keep talking for uh, another hour or so, and, and there's just a, a tremendous amount to talk about. Hopefully we will uh, we'll resume the conversation sometime soon. I imagine that, uh, you know, in a month from now, there'll be lots of new and, and fascinating wrinkles to the world of the Paycheck Protection Program and uh, Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program. I'm sure many more fraud schemes will have appeared on the horizon by then. So uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to resume the conversation. But in the meantime, just want to say thanks very much. Really appreciate the time and the expertise. Thanks for having me.